Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. It's great uh, to be worshiping with you. And if you are new at Parkview, I especially want to welcome you. There are some cards in the seats in front of you that you could fill one of those out. It'd be a great way for you to let us know you're here. And then we could reach out to you. You could take that card to the Connect counter in the foyer. And they have a gift for you there. And more importantly, a chance to have a conversation and just see how we can help you get connected with Jesus, with his church. And so we're really glad you're here. So this, this fall, we've been doing this series called the, the Traits, the DNA Traits of a Follower of Jesus. And I think it's been a, a good, helpful series because I think especially in this day and age, there's a lot of confusion about what a Christian is and what does it mean to be an evangelical or to be a... And so what I just love about what we've been doing is we've just gone straight to the teachings of Jesus and we've looked at what Jesus says it means to follow him. And so if you have an out, if you got a bulletin when you came in, there's an outline you can follow along there. You'll see just kind of for the sake of review, uh, we've seen that a follower of Jesus enjoys God's presence. So we're worshipers. Like we're, we're really designed to enjoy just celebrating, praising, praying to our God. And so that's one trait of a follower of Jesus is that we're worshipers. Um, we're also, another trait we, we studied was that we are called to live God's story. So we're students. We're really meant to study the word of God, the teachings of Jesus, and put them to practice in our lives so that we can live his story, not our story. And so we're students. Um, we talk about loving God's people. That's another trait that we would show love to one another. And so really we're a family. Our identity there is that we're family. And I love how Thomas brought that up in the context of communion. We have one father who we worship through the son. And so there are so many times in the New Testament we are referred to as brothers and sisters. We're called to love one another, all right? So we're family and we're called to share God's gifts. So that means we're stewards, that God is the one who has given us our, our talents, our time, our treasures, and Jesus calls us to live in such a way that we realize these are not ours, they're God's. And so we, we, we live in that way. We are known to be generous people. We are known to be generous with our time and, and with our treasures. And so today we're going to talk about the whole concept of the whole trait of serving God's world. And so we are servants and missionaries, that we are servants and missionaries. And so here's what I want you to imagine. So Let's say the next time your community group meets, or if you're in a Bible study group, or if you have a group of friends that gather, or the next time your family is gathering in your living room, you're in a room somewhere with people you care about, you're in a relationship with, and let's say all of a sudden Jesus just shows up. He's just there, all right? And so you're kind of blown away for a second about Jesus just showing up, and he's there, but then Jesus looks at every person in the room, he just looks you in the eye, and he says, okay, guys, listen, I know you've had a lot of different things you've been doing with your life, a lot of different plans. I'm going to drop a big one on you, okay? Here it is, that the same reason that God the Father sent me to this planet, I am now sending you to go do the same thing, okay? I am calling you to, to live your life now for the same reason that I was sent to this earth to live for and so there'd be maybe an awkward silence, and you'd look to see if maybe, like, the side of his mouth starts, like, twitching, and then he says, oh, I'm just joking. Like, there's no way I'd ask you guys to do that, you know, because you've got a great plan, or there's no way you would ever do it. Like, there would be, he's not joking, okay? Like, he would still just kind of keep looking at you, like, no, this is the plan. Like, this is, and as, as you trace the Christian message, as you trace 
Christian history, that is the plan. Like that's God's eternal plan for blessing all the nations, the family, the peoples of the earth, that this faith is, is designed to be spread from life to life, from person to person. And so when Jesus would say that to you, that's exactly what he said to his followers. Our passage today we're going to look at is in John chapter 20. So you can take your Bible and turn there or swipe there if you're on your phone. But John chapter 20, verse 19, is this passage where Jesus calls his followers to serve the world. That for the same reason he was sent, we are called uh, to live for and to be sent for the same reasons that he was sent for. And so what's What's amazing is that this, this plan is working, right? Again, it doesn't make any sense, especially if you would look at who was gathered in this room, if you would look at their credentials, if you would look at what they had achieved up to that point, you'd go, this is going to fail, Jesus. This is a bad idea. You're going to leave and then leave this ministry to these people? You're crazy. Like so, but if today is an average day, you could fill Kinnick Stadium twice with the number of people who are beginning to follow Jesus. And a majority of those are, have, have started following Jesus because of a friendship. There aren't like just these massive revivals going on necessarily. Maybe there's some, and that's putting a dent in that big number. But the biggest number is because Christians, as they've done throughout history, are just life on life, one by one, pointing people to Jesus. Today is the day where churches are called around the world to pray for the persecuted church. And if this is an average day, 17 people will die in this hour we're together just simply for following Jesus. But what's amazing is where you would track where the gospel is spreading the fastest, it's often in those areas. So this, this strategy, this plan that Jesus invited his followers into in John 20, that he's inviting us into this morning, is working, all right? And so it's a plan that we are invited into. So I want to read our passage together, and if I could just set it up for us. In verse 19, it starts with, on the evening of that day. Okay, so what is that day? That day just happens to be the greatest day in history. It's when Jesus has just risen from the dead. It's that, that day, okay? So Jesus has just risen from the dead. So, but before this, for a couple days, Jesus' followers have been scared to death. I mean, they saw Jesus arrested. Some of them saw him crucified. And so for the last two or three days, these guys have just been holed up in fear, living in lockdown mode, just afraid that the same people who killed Jesus are going to come after them next. So that's, it's that that day that we're talking about. So verse 19, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, this Jews meant like the religious establishment that had killed Jesus. So um, those were the ones they were afraid of. And then it says, suddenly Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And guys, before we read this next sentence, I think there's the most understated translated word like in the Bible, like in, in this version that I'm reading you from the ESV. I think they could have picked a better word. See if you catch it. Okay, so the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I would have picked a different word than glad. Like, I use glad as a weak word for me. Oh, I'm glad for that. I'm, I'm glad it's not raining anymore. Like, that's, that glad sounds pretty par average, right? So I would say astonished. Over, some versions say overjoyed. Like, 
<laughs> I don't get it. I'm not some scholar, and I, who am I to critique? But, but I like what the other versions did with that word. Glad you sent on. That's nice. Jesus is alive. No, it's not nice. Like they were overjoyed. They were astonished when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So before we look, there's, there's so much here. Can't wait to get into it. But before we study this, here's what I'd like you to do. This is not a history lesson. This is not just what Jesus did with his followers. Guys, this is us this morning. And to make this really practical, what I'd like you to do, on the t- if you're taking notes on your phone or if you're taking notes on an outline, could you at the top write down the initials of three people that you just really love, but right now, this morning, you are not sure that they know who Jesus is. They, they, you, as far as you can tell, you're not judging, you're not being critical, but as far as you can tell, they don't know Jesus. And so to keep this message real and practical and to keep you involved in what Jesus is teaching, could you just put down those three sets of initials and keep them in the forefront as we talk about what it means to be sent, okay? And what Jesus is sending us to do. I would like to have those people be fresh on your mind as we talk and as we study, okay? So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. So Jesus, would you speak to us today? Keep us this morning from just like saying, oh, that was them. That was the disciples. Can you just make it very real to us this morning? that you are saying to every one of us that as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And could you open up our hearts to just, and our minds, to just how staggering of an invitation that is, how supreme of a calling that is. And God, would we be humble enough to lay aside whatever our agenda or our goals or ambitions are and to really just put you first in what you're calling us to do. So speak to your church, speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so what I want to do is focus on three things specifically that Jesus said to these guys in this, in this short passage, very strategic passage. All right, the first statement is peace be with you. He actually said that twice. Peace be with you. In order to serve the world, in order to be the ones who share the gospel, it's important for us to come from a place of security and confidence. If you're living in fear and timidity and worry, you will not be a faithful ambassador. When we're in fear is when we curl back and we stay quiet and we live for ourselves, okay? We've got to break through. And so there's got to be a security and a confidence. And Jesus says twice, peace be with you. The first time he said it, I I think it had just kind of a practical, a a very practical um, message and application. So imagine... These guys have been living on edge for about two days, maybe not a lot of sleep, and just kind of all in this room, kind of everybody's quiet and nervous, and all of a sudden somebody just shows up in the room, okay? It's like if you've got a friend who's really intently studying, and you go up behind them and go, boo, and they just jump. Like, give these guys some credit. Like, they've been freaking out, and all of a sudden a guy just shows up in the room, all right? I think the first piece be with you, if anything else was just a practical, okay, chill, calm, calm, calm. It's okay. It's me. You know, he shows them hand side. It's Jesus saying, hey, it's me. Just shh, 
calm, calm down, okay? It's good. So um, practical application there. How cool is it that you have a Savior, that whatever it is that your biggest fear going on right now, whatever it is that causes you to go into lockdown and just self-preservation mode and quiet and timid, like whatever that fear is, nothing, nothing can keep Jesus out from stepping right in the midst of that and just saying to you, peace, be still. Just peace, okay? Death couldn't keep him from doing that. The grave, our sin that he took on himself, man, he just, he wiped out our biggest enemies right there. And so whatever it is that's causing you to fear, man, Jesus can step right into the middle of that and say, peace be with you, all right? That's awesome. We're gonna need that. If we're gonna serve him, if we're gonna serve this world, we're gonna need that confidence because we're no good when we're afraid. We're no good, okay? So he says, peace be with you. But then he says it again. After he showed him his hands inside, he said it again. Because I, I, think, I think maybe a deeper fear started emerging. Like when they saw it was Jesus and they saw his hands inside, ooh, I, I can imagine that they just traced back a couple days. Like what happened the last time they were in Jesus' presence? Okay, he's being arrested. If you don't know the story, it's fine. I'll tell you. Jesus is being arrested. His followers took off. Like they, they ditched him. It's probably number one follower, Peter, even denied that he even knew Jesus three different times. Like these guys epically failed the last time they were with him. And so once they saw it was Jesus, they were probably glad or overjoyed. Like, oh, he's alive. But then it's like, ooh, uh-oh. Now what's going to happen, though? Because we just failed him. Like, is this, is this clean the house time? Is this like, you guys, I'm done with you losers. Like, I, just get out. If you can't hang with me, I got to find some more disciples. Like, it's, you know, is he going to beat us? Is he going to yell at us? Is he going to, what's going to go on? And instead, he just says to them, peace, peace be with you. Like, you're still my guys. You're still my team. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I, I'm forgiving you, and I'm still going to give you the ball. Like, if the Father's sending me, I'm sending you. That had to blow them away. I mean, because if you're, I mean, trying to get their head around this, wait, Jesus, you're saying, now you're kind of giving everything to us now. It's up to us to do what you were sent to do. Like, don't you see what we just did? Don't you see how we've followed and failed you time and time again? And Jesus just says, peace be with you. Like, that is an amazing display of the gospel and what it means to be a bunch of epic fails like us and yet still have Jesus love us, die for us, want us to be with him, and then want to use us. This reminds me, like Romans 5, there's Romans 5, 8 says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God shows his love for us, is that he died for sinners. You know, there's nobody, nobody here that God looked at you and went, man, I, I could really use you. Like, you, I don't have what you've got. Like, there's, we had nothing to offer him but yet at that moment, Jesus died for us. That's the essence of the gospel. And then Romans 5.1 says that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justified means declared righteous. And that's the essence of the gospel that when we, are, when we see our sin and we know we need forgiveness, that we see Jesus who died for our sins, who takes away our sins when we put our faith in him, so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our epic fails. He doesn't see our propensity to chicken out and not do what he says, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Guys, our standing with God is secure 
because of Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so to be sent ones, to be servants in this world today, and to be missionaries in this world today, um, we need the security of the peace of God. And so, um, peace be with us. He says that to them two times. So, so, um, I still believe all this. I'm just lost right now. So, um, yeah, um, it was about three months ago, four months ago, I was supposed to close the second service. And um, you, some of you might have been there that morning. Uh, we had a new guy leading worship. His name was James. He was doing a great job. And at the end of the service, he goes, now Pastor Doug's going to come up and tell us a few things. And I wasn't there. I didn't show up. So I don't know if any of you were here that morning. The reason I didn't show up was I was in my office. And at about 10.15, um, this guy, this couple who were trying to put together what it means to follow Jesus and who Jesus really is. Guy said one of the most heartbreaking things I've heard in a long time. He said, um, I have done so much wrong that right now I just know I'm going to hell. But the reason I'm here is I want to learn about Jesus so I could point my kids to him so that they don't go to hell, so that they can know Jesus. And I just want to be that bridge. I know it's doomed for me, but I just want my life to be the one that points them to God. It just like blew me away. And so I wasn't gonna go, great, have a great week, I'll pray for you, I gotta go, go close the service. Like, so it's like, no, let's, let's talk about this here a little bit. And um, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world and I don't take credit for what came out of the mouth next um, is a God thing. But it's like, okay, I gotta just ask you a question. Are you telling me that you're a better dad than God is? It's like, no, I would, I would never say that. It's like, okay, what, what you just said to me was amazingly noble, and you're showing amazing love for your kids, but, but God's love for you is even way greater than that, and that as your father, his longing for you was for you to find forgiveness and salvation, and, and he was willing to let Jesus die for you. Jesus is actually the bridge, not just for your kids to get to God, but for, for you too, and it just kind of blew him away. Such a beautiful moment. The next time I looked at the clock, I was like, oh crap, I'm supposed to go like close the service. And I came out and people were already leaving. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Like that happened. So if you were offended that day, that's what was going on. But what a beautiful picture of the gospel. And may we all just like realize that, like what Jesus has done for us to show us forgiveness, that we are truly at peace with God. And so again, uh, for us to, to be missionaries, to share the gospel, it's going to take it's going to take courage. There's a lot uh, that will intimidate us. In fact, the number one reason why Christians don't talk about their faith, don't spread their faith, is why? What's the number one reason? It's fear. Somebody whispered it. <laughs> it's perfect. Like, we should have all just said, fear. It was like, fear. Yeah, it is. It's fear. Bingo. You got it. And so that's our biggest holdup right there is that we're, we're afraid. And so that's why I think Jesus led strong with peace be with you. I am with you. You have been forgiven. I am with you. And so forgive me if you've heard this analogy before, but I think it's, it's such a powerful one that, that you hold, the gospel you hold if you're a follower in Christ, like pretend that's a baton. And who, who was it that shared that gospel with you? Who passed the baton to you? Who had the courage and the love for you that they made sure you understood the gospel? What is so cool 
and this would be fun to do when we get to heaven, is to trace that baton back. Like, well, who gave it to that person? Well, who gave it to that person? Well, who gave it to... Eventually, it's going to come right back to that first group that Jesus was saying, talking to in John 20, as the Father is sending me, now I'm, I'm sending you. Here, baton, 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 baton. Okay, go. And so I can promise you, because at least 10 of those 11 disciples died for identifying with Jesus Christ, all right? I can pr- almost promise that every one of our batons, not to get gory, but every one of those batons is gonna have some blood on it that someone laid down their lives so that the message could go on, it could go on, it could go on. And so um, for us to be faithful servants of this world and spread the gospel, we're gonna need courage. Like it's not always gonna be easy. The gospel message has never been embraced you know, we're sinners. <laughs> we deserve judgment. Um, we need God. We need forgiveness. Like, those are such hard things for a proud human heart to surrender to. But if you understand that, that's been God being gracious to you. It's not that you're so smart and figured it out, right? So, so that message will never be a popular one to spread. And it seems, especially today, it is not an easy message to spread. You're going to need the peace that comes from Jesus, all right? So, um, oh, I'm hanging on the peace thing. Let me just say one other thing. Church, on November 7th, so the election is Tuesday, pray hard for our country, vote, study up and vote. But on November 7th, you have nothing to fear. Like whichever party you land on, D or R, um, there's still a big J that is in charge of everything, all right? And so he's not gonna go anywhere. He's on the throne all right, he does whatever he pleases. And so is the vote important on Tuesday? Absolutely. But is your hope based on who wins on Tuesday? Ab- absolutely not, okay? So we do not fear come what may. We pray hard, we vote hard, we talk, we discuss, but we do not worry. We do not live in fear, okay? Man, let's keep moving, Doug. Okay, so peace I give you, first thing he said. Second thing he said is, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. All right, so a couple things wrapped up in this. Uh, This is Jesus' idea. Like, it's not ours. We didn't come up with it. Like, okay, I think I'll go represent God on my own. Now, no, 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 this was Jesus' idea. It's his authority that he's giving to us. Um, The other thing is, again, we're humbled by this. We don't have the credentials for this. Like, even if we wanted to do this, like, who in here would qualify to go now represent God? Like, to go serve the world on behalf of God? Like, nobody qualifies. But, but this is something Jesus has said to us, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. So, a couple things with that. Uh, this is not an option. It's not like Jesus says, you know what? I know you've got some great agendas going with your life. Let me, toss a, let me just toss another one out there. And if you consider this is good enough, then do it. Like, there wasn't anything like that. There was like, you know what? This is the cause that you can now live for. Like my followers will live for the same things that I was sent to do. Okay, so, And then what's really cool is remember these people that Jesus is talking to have been with him for two and a half or three years. So they have an idea of, okay, well, what did Jesus do? Okay, he was sent here. How did he live? Like, what kind of things did he do? And I I can think of three specific times he just put it out there. And he said, this is why I came. And so this whole concept of how do I serve the world? How do I extend the gospel 
to, the, to my neighbors and to the nations. Like, don't, we don't just run out with our own ideas. Like, Jesus has given us some tracks to run on. So there's three things in particular. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and life to the full. Jesus came to give us life. And so I've heard the best de- definition of ministry is that ministry is an overflow of what Jesus is doing in your life. Like if you want to be an effective one who is sent as Jesus was sent, one of your first steps could be just enjoy Jesus. Like just, just soak up the life that he's giving you. Like just, just embrace his words. Like just praise him. Just think who he is. Let his joy, his peace, his love just dominate in your life then ministry just flows out of you like that. So really, we are called, just like Jesus, uh, to be life givers, that wherever we go, because we are being overflowed with the ministry of Jesus in our lives, that wherever we go, we're bringing life. We're bringing hope. We're bringing encouragement. Like, so let me ask you, like, wherever you are this time tomorrow, some of you are in a class, some of you are in a dorm, some of you are at work, some of you are at home, Um, wherever you are this time tomorrow, um, would the people around you describe you as a life giver? Like that that wherever you go, like, well, yeah, they just kind of lighten up the room, or yeah, they work hard, or they're such an encourager, they they listen, they ask such good questions. Like just, you know, as if break it down, what does it mean to be sent as Jesus was sent? Can we just start simply that where you go, you are bringing life. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. So are you a life giver, okay? So second, another statement Jesus said was Mark 10, 45, where he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the disciples would hear Jesus say that, and you're sent as I was sent. Um, they, as they got to know Jesus, they began to understand more and more that Jesus was the Son of God, that he left heaven he took on flesh, and he lived among us. Like, he, he, he did all of that to fulfill this plan. Like, he surrendered his agenda, his rights, and he came and he lived among us. Like, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And so part of this agenda being a sent one means that wherever we go, in order for us to, to live out this calling, it can't be just about us. Like, there has to be just clear evidences in our lives that we're putting other people ahead of ourselves who we're, we're serving. It's not all about us. So if that's in how we're using our time, if that's in how we budget, if that's in, you know, just what our life trajectory is, is it clearly moving toward others or is it all toward myself? So, so again, what does it look like to be a sent one? Well, I'm bringing life where I go because it's an overflow which Jesus doing in my life. I'm serving wherever I go, because Jesus is serving me, so I can go and serve others. And then look at this third one. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I would say this is a big one right here for most churches and most Christians to look at what Jesus said here. Jesus prioritized people who don't know God yet. That was a priority in his life. So much so that the religious people called Jesus a friend of sinners. They meant that as like a put down. When Jesus heard that, he went, thank you. Yep, that's right. I got some good friends. Like they don't know God yet, but man, they are good friends. That's just a good gut check question to ask ourselves. 
It's like, what not yet Christians would call you a good friend? Jesus made priorities, and sometimes what's, what's hard is that a church, a lot of times when we set up our programs or ministries, like we're just so many times catering and just providing for Christian and Christian and Christian this and Christian that, and sometimes even our own choices of who we hang out with um, can just start looking a lot like I'm with Christian, I'm with Christians, I'm with Christians. And Jesus just had a whole different set of priorities that I am going to intentionally seek and save people that are lost. And so um, let me just ask you, you wrote those three names down a few minutes ago. Um, This is meant to be a miniature, uh, just a quick trip in and out of a guilt bunker, okay? Get out of it quick if you go in there. But my question to you is, like, what's your plan? Like, how are you intentionally reaching out to those three people? Do you, do you, do you have a plan? Or are you just kind of hoping that's just going to happen someday? And so, okay, get out of the guilt bunker, because we'll talk about a plan in a little bit. But just, just when I see Jesus, I'm going to send you. Okay, what's that look like, Jesus? Well, what if you were a life giver? What if you served? And what if you had some intentionality in your life that you were intentionally befriending lost people? Okay, so second statement he said. The third one is this. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive uh, the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, don't go out on your own power. Receive the Holy Spirit. This, this had to be a little bit of an awkward moment if I'm reading it right. And Jesus sometimes did things that just kind of took people off guard. Like there was a time he healed a blind man by spitting in dirt, making mud, and then he put that on the guy's eyes. I'm, I'm not going to question Jesus. I don't know exactly why he did that, but maybe one of those moments happened here where it said Jesus breathed on them. So like, like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, there's something there in the text for that, and that might have been one of those, he's just being Jesus, like don't question, just like go with it. So he's breathing on them, but there was such an important statement he's making through that. In the, uh, the Greek Old Testament, uh, the same word that's used when Jesus just said he breathed on them was also used in Genesis 2 where God created the first man and then breathed life into him. What God is saying is like, guys, look, this is an amazing calling. You get to go live for the things that I was sent to live for, but don't, don't, <laughs> don't do it on your own. Like you're, you, you need the energizing, the life, the power of the Holy Spirit here. You need the Holy Spirit. In fact, that was so important that seven weeks later, Jesus had risen. He had spent some time with these guys. They received the Holy Spirit just like any of us now who follow Jesus. The moment you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit for good from Acts chapter 2 on, day of Pentecost on. Holy Spirit is in you. Some people refer to this as like a, like a seven-week down payment, but basically the message there is you cannot just follow me and be sent for what I was sent for on your own power. You will need the power of the Holy Spirit. You go, okay, exactly how, why do I need the Holy Spirit? There's, a, there's some really cool things the Bible says. This is what the Holy Spirit does for you, particularly in this area of sharing your faith, of helping other people find Jesus, okay? Here's some of his key roles in that. Number one, the whole, the whole role of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus, all right? So the Holy Spirit in you is going to help you keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, and so then as you're talking, you're going to be pointing people to Jesus. Here's another thing, is that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the one who convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. 
So that's not your job. That's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit does a way better job of convicting of sin than I do. I feel like there's a lot of collateral damage when I try to get in there and I try to convict somebody. That's not, that's not my job. So, um, in fact, somebody said, I, get it, I usually get it mixed up, but, but it, it's, you know, Jesus died. It's his job to save. God is, you know, the one who will judge. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Our job in this whole process is to love, is to love. Sometimes you speak truth in love, but it's not our job to rub noses or to yell or to, it's not our job to convict. The Holy Spirit does a way better job of that. So, and that's such an important step for somebody to see that they need forgiveness. There's got to be a conviction of their own sin. The Holy Spirit does a way better job of that than you do. Just you let him do that. You are free then to love and speak truth in love and show grace and pray like crazy, all right? So Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Guys, I am not that smart of a person, but sometimes in my conversations over the years with people who don't know God, sometimes a statement will come out, and I'll go, that was good. Like, but I know it wasn't me. Like, I'm not bragging here. It's just like, where did that come from? God, thank you. Like, when you see it, something registers with someone, you go, thank you. But a lot of times, we don't experience that because we don't get into the conversations. But the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. Um, the Holy Spirit... Uh, works in our lives so that our character um, catches up to the message. Like, it never perfectly will, but, but he grows us and changes us so that, you know, there's less and less in our character that would contradict the gospel that we're talking about. He, he produces those changes in our lives, and he gives us courage. He gives us boldness, all right? So Jesus said, as you go out, um, receive the Holy Spirit. Like, go in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, as I was preparing this this week, I was just thinking, this is kind of like Jesus is commissioning these people, just like he's commissioning us this morning. Guys, you can, you can do this. This is what you need. Now let's go do it, okay? I made an interesting connection this week that I hadn't before, that this is very similar, if not exactly the same, as what God the Father did for Jesus at the very beginning of his earthly ministry. So in the early parts of the Gospels, like in Matthew 3, for example, before Jesus goes public with his ministry, Jesus is baptized. And when he's baptized and he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove. And then God the Father says from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Guys, do you see a commissioning there? There's, there's the security of God's love for his son, there's the empowering of the Spirit coming upon him, and then there's an authentication of his message, like that he is going out now in my authority, listen to him. And how loving of Jesus, just like he took that amazing affirmation from his father at the start of the ministry, that he's doing the same thing for us. As the Father has sent me, I want you to know you are going now in the security of my love for you, the peace you have in my relationship with you. You're going in my authority. You go because I'm sending you. And then you go empowered by my spirit. So, so let's take some practical next steps there. I just want to throw you out again. What's your plan? Maybe even for reaching these three names you've put at the top of your notes. Okay, let me just give you a couple, couple of notes. And so in your outline, this is more in the middle of the outline. I moved it to the end. So if it helps to take some notes, let me give us some practical steps we can take. You know, the first question we have to ask 
is do you really care? Do you, do you really care for those names that you wrote down? And I, I, I'll admit first, there are days, sometimes it goes longer than that, where I just don't care. Like I'm so consumed with me or my family or worries, like that I just, I'm not even, I don't even care. Okay, it's got to start there. Do we, do we care for these people who don't know Jesus? But then a next step would be, let's pray for them. Guys, this is the least intimidating step, is to pray, to regularly start praying. If you want to know some specifics you can see in the Bible, what to pray for, um, pray for opportunities for you to share the gospel with them. Pray that God would bring someone into their life to share the gospel with them. Pray that when you share, that you would have boldness, that you would have clarity. Like those are good, good specific things to pray. Um, pray that God would open their eyes, that the Holy Spirit would convict them of sin. Those are, you can do that and still there's nothing scary there, right? Nobody knows that you're doing that. So, but let's go maybe a step at a time, okay? The next thing, just really practically, I've seen some of you do this so beautifully out in your workplace, and when I meet friends of yours that don't go to church, um, is to identify with Jesus, somehow identify with him, that, that even to say, will you go to church, or that you read your Bible, or that you're in a community group, or that you have some good Christian friends that help you in your faith. So somehow you just put it out there. So again, not, not in a proud way and not over and over again reminding them, but just that you're, you're identifying with Jesus. You just put that out there. And then you serve them. You're a life giver. You look for ways that, and so maybe in those three names, like what are some ways I can encourage? What are some ways I can serve them? So they know who you follow. They see you living his life. Here's another one. What if, what if you were known in that person's life as a listener, that you, you have listened so well to them that you know what their hopes are, you know what they're afraid of, um, you know what their needs are? I love this quote from Francis Schaeffer, a Christian leader. Uh, he said, if I have only one hour with someone, I would spend the first 55 minutes asking them questions and finding out what, their tr- what troubles their hearts and minds. Isn't that brilliant? Sometimes we're so quick to want to just kind of dump what we know on them. Just what if we were known as listeners? And then to share, like in different levels of sharing. What if, what if we got to that place where we could share a struggle we've got in our lives and how our faith helps us, how Jesus helps us be more patient parents or helps us deal with the stress of tests and looking for jobs and job insecurity. Like, I, I tend to get worried, but this is how my faith helps me. This is how prayer helps me. So, so share those things, maybe even to the point where you can share your story of how you met Jesus. If you guys remember in the DNA booklet, there was a whole section on that about how to tell your story with Jesus as a hero. And then finally, the last thing to consider would be inviting them. So um, inviting them into your home so that they're closer uh, to, so they can see what it looks like to have Jesus in a life. Or invite them to read something with you, to study something with you, to study the Bible with you, or to study some other uh, book that's been helpful to you, but to invite them to that. Invite them to church. Invite them to your community group. Invite them to meet some of your friends. So um, Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City, and in a very secular environment, he has seen a church just grow by reaching more and more people who are lost. And and he gives a lot of tips like the ones I just read. But he says this, if just 20% of a church begins to live those practical steps, 
you will see a whole culture of conversion begin in those churches. Guys, when I read that, I was thinking like, what a great goal, what a great just prayer to God in this next year that if on three campuses we saw in the Iowa City area this culture of conversion, that it would be very normative for us to run into people here who have just met Jesus or to run into a friend that said, yeah, God, just help me lead, you know, one of my three, remember those initials we put on November 4th on the top? Like, two of them have met Jesus. Like, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just be a, an amazing environment here that we become that culture of conversion where people are meeting Jesus and it's very normative and it's very regular. And so as we leave today, I'm gonna do like a benediction where I'm just gonna kind of commission us to live in this way, I've just got to ask, will you be my one in five? Like, as the leader of this, this is what I long for. I would love to see this place filled with people who meet Jesus, like, in the next year, and to see that on all three campuses. And so, if one in five is what it takes, like, are you, could, could you be one of those one in five? Just humbly responding to what Jesus is calling you to do. He just laid it out for us incredibly clearly in John chapter 20. Are you willing to be, could you be um, one of those one in five? I just, I pray so. I pray that I'm one of those. I'm so excited for what God could do in this church as we live that way. So to wrap up, could you stand? And um, could you, if you're comfortable with this, just grab hands with someone next to you. So we are, this is a benediction, but it's also sort of a commissioning out of what we've just studied. And we pray over us these truths that we've just talked about, okay? Jesus, uh, you are amazing and that you have died for us. You have given us life and we had nothing to offer you. So Jesus, we stand here as your people, just grateful for what you've done for us. And we have heard this morning that you have said to your followers, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. So we stand here as your people, hearing that. And Jesus, my prayer is that as many of us as possible will respond and say, yes, Father, send me, send us into this city. And Jesus, as we do that, thank you that we go in your peace, that you go with us. And, and you know what this world's like. You know what it's like to be here. And so the things that cause us fear, Jesus, thank you that you can step right into the midst of those. Nothing locks you out from stepping right into our fears. And so would you do that for all of us this morning to set us free from fear? And then Jesus, you have shown us what it's like to lay down our lives for others, to be life givers wherever we go, um, to, to point people to you, to be intentional in our friendships. So God, we as a church are willing to do what you have done, to to live for the same pursuits that you live for, to love what you love. And so help us do that, Jesus. We, we stand as a church now ready to do that. And then Jesus, thank you that when we leave these doors today, we do not leave alone, but we leave with this community, with brothers and sisters running after the same thing, but we also, more importantly, leave with your spirit who lives inside of us to give us power, to give us words, to give us love, and to help us do what you've called us to do. So, Father, with those promises and with your great calling on us, we leave now grateful people ready for you to use us to make the name of Jesus great in this city. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.